Well, hello and welcome to the Wednesday Word, the Desert Spring Church podcast, which is a little deeper dive into the week's sermons. So um, my name is Julie Hart. I'm director of Connectional Ministries here. And uh, we have, as always, Chris Devereaux. Hello. Uh, running our sound technology here. And we have two very first time guests with us today. So I'm going to start with Jenna because I've known Jenna since she was born. So uh, Jenna, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, hi, um, I'm Jenna Cobb. Uh, right now I am a college student at UNLV, a film major. Uh, yeah, I've known Julie longer than I can remember. Um, she's been a friend of the family for a long time and I'm happy to be here. Yeah, really happy to have you here. And then Mark, also a first time guest and really, I have not known you hardly at all, so I'm excited to get to know more about you, Mark, but go ahead and introduce yourself. Well, my name's Mark. I'm an Uber driver, and I also work extensively with my little brother, Van, who is autistic, and uh, I remember Julie from when I first started coming to church because I'd see her at the Wednesday night services, and I got involved in the church because Van had such an unshakable faith, and uh, he's influenced me, so... It's been a, like, my relationship to Desert Spring has been very productive. Oh, yeah, and you, you, it's just, it's great to see you two are, I don't think I ever see you one without the other. We're pretty inseparable. Yeah, I love it. I love that so much. So, well, welcome, welcome. And again, the Wednesday Word is just a deeper dive. If you uh, listeners uh, had not had a chance to listen to Pastor David's sermon, you can catch it um, on our website at desertspringchurch.com. And we would love to hear your comments. So wherever you're listening, uh, let's uh, be sure to share your comments. And um, and if you'd like to be a guest, we'd love to hear that too. So, all right, we're going to jump right into it then. Pastor David's devotional this week comes from the book of Romans, chapter 12, verses 2 through 3, which says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may discern what is the will of God, What is good and acceptable and perfect? For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you to not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. So Pastor David says in Romans chapters 12 through 15, St. Paul wrote about the Christian life. More specifically, he talked about what a kingdom of God kind of life looks like, as well as what it's not. In my last sermon, he says last Sunday, We looked at some of Paul's do's and don'ts when it comes to living a Christian life. Today's scripture includes this week's memory verse and how Paul starts his list of do's and don'ts. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, Paul wrote. At the top of the list of Paul's concerns about the church in Rome was spiritual arrogance. Christians thought of themselves as better than others. And so his question for us to start with, and Jenna, we're going to start with you, is have you ever seen spiritual arrogance lived out in the church, and have you ever experienced it firsthand? Yeah, so what that brings to mind is kind of just hearing, in general, people talking about, oh, I am so blessed with this, and I deserve it, but not thinking about people who maybe are just as deserving, but don't have the kind of privileges privileges and blessings that they do have, and not necessarily lording it over people, but more just not acknowledging that what you're privileged with is a privilege, not something that you worked hard for necessarily. And even if you did work hard for it, there's other things outside of just 
you got what you deserved because you worked for it, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Mm -hmm. it, it totally does. Like, this is, I'm living the right life, and so this is the reward, right? Yeah. yeah. So so then the assumption there is if, if you're not being rewarded, you must not be living the right life. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. What do you think, Mark? Well, the most I experienced it was as a kid because I played around with different denominations quite a bit. And, uh, you know, I like to talk. I think talking is in itself a good thing when you have communion with other people. And uh, the different denominations would get into little fights between, you know, their way was better than one way. And that sort of put me off to the church. And I didn't return until Van brought me back uh, because I didn't want to be like, why do I have to be a part of an argument? Ooh, yeah. And like arguments amongst ourselves are like, are the worst. Oh, that's it's like siblings. Yeah, that's a, that's really that's a really good point. That's a really good point. What do you think, Chris? I think uh, my first experience with it was actually in college at UNLV. I was president of the uh, Protestant campus ministry, and so I saw a lot of people from different backgrounds, kind of as you were saying, uh, different privileges, um, different life experiences, and also uh, like you were saying, Mark, um, with kind of the idea that they were taught correctly. And so when you bring a bunch of people together that have different backgrounds, different experiences, maybe even different uh, religions, um, there was a lot of, you know, contention or, or um, it took some working towards to get around the fact that, oh, you know, what I was taught, maybe not exactly what everybody else was taught. Mm -hmm. um, so that was probably my first experience with it, for yeah, sure. That's true. I feel like my first thought of this is I see this on the news almost every single day and the things that were justifying Christians justify that their actions, you know, and that that, um, you know, if you don't vote this way or if you don't this way, it's, you know, because you're not you're not a good enough Christian. If you mm -hmm. were if you were then, you know, so I, I see that a lot. And, and and mostly I see it. I don't I don't think Jesus would be down with how his name is getting thrown about this way. So, um, but my, I really first experienced it with my, my, well, they're my outlaws. They were my in-laws and now they're not, but, um, you know, I didn't grow up really going to church kind of with some friends off and on, but I really wasn't involved. And the very first time I met them, it was like, they basically told me that they were the only ones that were going to be saved. I mean, and I was standing next to their son. It included, you know, it was just like such a, like, wow, that was such a weird thing. Um, and so because I was wrong and I was marrying their son, they were trying to make it right. They, they did perform an exorcism upon my head the day before I got married. I remember you saying yeah. this. Yeah. And I was like, what is happening to my... So, and that's just because their, their arrogance that, you know, I didn't, you know, live the life that they had lived or... And I was a, I was a good kid and a good, you know, young adult. But um, that was a turnoff. It did not make me want to go to church. So... Um, but the first time I ever saw it, and I don't see it in the church here, and I've been thankful about that, but I've been a part of, you know, in my many years of being involved in the church of committees and conferences and things like that, and being laity and not ordained. And that has definitely been an issue where it has felt like spiritual arrogance to me, where, you know, there are a lot of people, ha including myself, that have things to contribute, but that spiritual arrogance is like, you know, maybe not valued and for me, it just made me not want to contribute anymore. I'm like, yep, oh, I'm out. I'm going to tap out of here. And so I'm, I'm really thankful that that's not the case here. I think Pastor David is always looking for us to, you know, be a part and be in leadership and that we all bring value to the table. But Well, one thing I can say about Pastor David is uh, I'm bipolar. 
and I used to speak so fast it was amazing. And uh, Pastor David never he he would still meet with me when a lot of other people would not meet with me, and I learned a lot from him about the church and then about faith, just because he wouldn't write me out of his life. Yeah, yeah, important. Not feeling judged, and just think we'd be missing out on what we would all be missing out on if he if he had had treated you differently, right? We would be robbed of you too. So, yeah. Pastor David goes on to say, Paul included on his list of don'ts to not think too highly of yourself. If we are going to be transformed for kingdom of God living, it's important to deal with spiritual arrogance. Having said that, in my ministry, I know that there are many, many people who have been victims of others' arrogance. The impact of being a victim of others' spiritual arrogance can run deep and lasting. I know many people who struggle with self-esteem due to being treated as less than. And I know many people who left their churches because they were made to feel less than. As a result, I preach often trying to help victims of arrogance fill their minds with a different message. You are beloved child of God, beautiful to behold. Paul tells us that the renewing of our mind transforms our lives. Filling our minds with the things of God changes how we think about ourselves and others, as well as how we act. For some, filling their minds with convicting words is needed. Paul wrote to people who needed to be convicted in their hearts that they were causing harm to others. So he said, don't think too highly of yourself. For others, filling their minds with affirming words in needing to bring change. So I include my preaching people who have been harmed by saying, if you are a beloved child of God, beautiful to behold, of measurable worth and welcome and needed in God's kingdom that you are. As you think about your life and the lives of the people you know, I'm guessing it's not hard to think of someone who needs to hear how important and loved they are. You may also be able to think of people who need to hear, ah, don't think too highly of yourself. And for many, maybe most people, they or we need to hear both messages. After all, people who have been beaten down are not immune to beating others down. So his question is, which messages do you most often need to hear? I'm going to start with you. Uh, mine was definitely that I needed to not be so arrogant. Uh, I, you know, it's not that I'm mean to be arrogant. I've come to the conclusion that ego is an integral part of the Amer- or, or the human experience. And so you have to understand ego to understand people. But, you know, I would write a journal and a lot of weird thoughts would come to my mind. Weird and exciting, but also sometimes depressing because I couldn't turn those thoughts into actions. And what my parents pointed out, what got on to me about was that I seemed to be very arrogant, even though I didn't, you know, I just think I understand mental health or mental illness better than most people. And uh, it's had the effect of, you know, I've recently shared with my community group that I've changed my mind and am now of the Methodist philosophy. So they had a bit, they loved that. But You know, one of the things I've recently come to, Katie Falter taught, you know, she gave a very succinct understanding of how to pray. And so I started praying. And it's amazing how when you pray to God, your ego starts to go down. Mm -hmm. I love that. This this is happening in your community group with your. It was great, right? That Part of the connections. Awesome. Julie's smiling from ear to ear. I am so smiling because I, I love that. And that's. And and these are these are 
the lay people of the church that that are making this big difference in your life there too that are teaching you how to pray and and sharing that that's awesome my hope you know i know christians get really excited about conversions but i think christians should study the secular world more than they do yeah you had mentioned that i like that I, you're like, right you know it's the reason why democrats are successful right now is they've studied republicans within an inch of what Republicans do, which really annoys Republicans because their arguments aren't as successful. <laughs> well, I think that they're both kind of studying. <laughs> I think, you know, it's an interesting point because it's how to make the other one, right? Yeah, no, like, How they're going to respond. <laughs> yeah, Sorry to get a, into politics. No, that's very, that's very <laughs> interesting, that Mark. Was... Really interesting points. Yeah, and I love it. Shout out to your community group, too. What, what do you think, Jenna? Yeah, I agree with what you said. I think it was... Um, great the way you described kind of coming to awareness about how your own mind works and maybe looking at other perspectives. I thought that was really, really cool. Um, for myself, I think what I've, um, the process I've gone through is um, more of understanding what I need to tell to myself or what I need other people to tell to me to feel okay. Cause I've also had issues with like mental health or mental, mental health, not necessarily mental illness, but definitely mental health issues. And it's taken me a long time to figure out how to make myself feel okay and how to get myself to a place where I can function. Mm -hmm. And for that, I've kind of come up with something similar, not necessarily prayer, but more of like almost a mantra. It's, sometimes it's just telling myself I'm perfect the way I am. Sometimes it's just telling myself I'm competent. I know what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And sometimes just knowing and reminding myself that I'm worthy of the love and respect that people are giving me and just reminding myself of that and Reminding other people of that helps remind myself of that. So those are the kind of messages I think have been really helpful to me and my friends. And I love that. And I think a lot of times with, with mental health, the spiritual arrogance, there are people who really can shame and, you know, make people that are suffering and struggling with mental health issues, you know, like, well, you don't have enough faith or if you're not living. And, and so it's I've, I've seen that really be harmful to people. And I love that we just did a mental health series that we're doing mental yeah. health workshops and you know that there's no shame in that but that arrogance has hurt people yeah i think one of the interesting things that paul couldn't have known when he was writing uh uh romans is that the brain naturally rewires itself and what i've come to the conclusion of is when you experience a feeling good or bad that is your brain rewiring itself so you want to see positive stimuli not negative stimuli and your brain, you will actually, you know, that's the thing. They talk about a chemical imbalance and chemicals are definitely a part of the brain. But when, you know, when you experience a positive stimuli, you experience serotonin or another neurotransmitter. And Paul couldn't have known that. But, you know, this is the fun thing about praying now. Good behavior is its own reward. And I feel like I'm actually behaving well now. That's excellent. Yeah, that's that is very awesome. And well, you are very knowledgeable about the, you know, not to make you be more, you know, like you say you're struggling with arrogance, <laughs> yeah. but seriously, <laughs> you're really you're really teaching me a lot right now, and I love it. Yeah, I love that very Mark's much. Mark's got wisdom. Very much wisdom. Well, um, what about you, Chris? What message do you think you need to hear? For me, I don't really struggle with either of them per se on a on a regular basis. But what I've noticed is it is more important for me um, to not be arrogant. But when I'm feeling down, it is super important to get that boost up from either someone I love or someone, you know, close to me. Because when I don't feel competent or don't feel like my abilities are, are where they should be, um, it's really easy to get down on myself. But when I 
you know, feel real high. I've been really blessed, especially in my later life. Um, and I, I, I don't feel like, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a, a confident person. Yeah. Um, but for me, it's more important to, to kind of be the baseline, I guess, mm-hmm. you know, to be that middle, middle ground. Yeah, it's and like my dad talks about. He is comfortable being the center of attention, but he doesn't have to be it. There you go, yeah. Like, And that's the thing about writing my journal is it lit my brain on fire. It felt like every neuron in my brain mm-hmm. was firing at once. Mm-hmm. And what comes across to other people is that you seem arrogant mm. when you're just consumed by thought. No, I love that. I'm a journal. I'm a writer, too. And it's kind of interesting to sometimes just look back randomly. And, you know, so I think that's great that you're capturing that. So... Yeah. But I will say that this um, passage and this topic is probably my most favorite in Christianity in general. Mm-hmm. I am the type of person that that wants to take a personal mental challenge and, you know, as it says, transform your mind. Mm-hmm. And so this kind of feeds into what my spiritual practice is almost all the time. Yeah. Well, that's why transforming is my word of the year. Yeah, you know? really? Yeah. That's what that's you think. My, okay. Yeah, that's my nice. word. Well, I wrote, I sent to our community group a prayer I wrote. Oh. Uh, which was basically just God give me the energy to change my mind. Mm. Like my impression of people is that they're strong enough. Mm-hmm. They just need energy. That's yeah. a really good prayer. That's a really good prayer. And, and you're right. You and are. to change my mind on the small things, not the big things. Yep. Just change them on step the, small, step. the stuff that gets on my nerves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I love that. You know, when I think of like the air, well, I, as as someone who's worked in the church for a lot of years, you know, you have to stay humble because you you count on people. Like, you know, you're only as good as your posse, and and you know, it's, you're not a one man band up there doing anything. You know, I think the true understanding of the body of Christ and Phyllis Murray is has really helped me to learn. Like, by not asking someone, you're taking you're taking a chance for them to like you know, by trying to do it all on our own and like we got this together and they're not going to do it right or whatever. We're, we're, we're stealing someone else's opportunity to use their gifts. I think also like on the spiritual arrogance, um, working with youth for so many years, cause y'all, they, they ask tough questions. And so if you get up there as if you know everything, when you really don't, they see, they really see through that, you know? And so I think that helps you not to be super arrogant because I don't, you know, it, it's, because we don't have all the answers so even even pastor david will say he doesn't you know well this is what i think about it well here's what i do like i pretend i have to explain everything to my brother mm-hmm. and uh it's amazing like he was diagnosed with pervasive de- developmental delays so he's been judged as being behind his peers since he was a little kid and it's amazing if he is this smart normal people are underestimated because he really knows a lot more than people gave him credit for. And it's just once he opened up and started talking, people got on board and were like, oh, yeah, we, he's got this. Yeah. yeah. What is it? I, I saw you. I loved your interview with Pastor David, but you, you talked about how you don't speak in metaphors. like you. I, I, I try and be <laughs> as literal as possible. I know. You, you taught me that lesson, too. So, All right. Well, Pastor David goes on to say, there are many ways the church helps people experience that they are beloved children of God, beautiful to behold. But we can always do more. So his question is, can you think of people who need to hear such a message, people we have not figured out how to reach, and can you think of ways we can serve them and build them up as children of God? As I thought about it while you're thinking about it, 
I, I just thought the message of, of come as you are, that message is just come as you are. And I think that it often comes down to the individual people of the church inviting people to come as they are. Like, you know, we've got people that are here and they have people that, that could be blessed by coming. So I think helping them to to share that message too of, of coming as you are. And then when people bring people as they are, we have to accept them as they are and and you know which I love that we're always saying you know all are welcome all are welcome and um but I think that come as you are because people all the time I talk to people like oh I don't I don't have the clothes for it or I don't yeah you do yeah I agree um I I I like Mark's uh point about you know learning more about the secular world and um you know obviously the point of this sermon series is recognizing the the merging of those and how we live in both worlds and how we're born in one, but we, you know, by the grace of God are accepted into the other. It's had a measurable influence on me and Van. So I don't mm-hmm. see why other people, even secular people, like one of the diagnoses of de- depression is have you stopped going to your normal Sunday worship mm-hmm. or Saturday if you're Jewish. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I just took that literally and started going to church with Van, even though I, at that time, was agnostic. Mm-hmm. At that time. Yeah. Yeah. But you came, you came. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the fold now. So what, <laughs> do you feel <laughs> he like. He just like says that and like, let's move on. That was awesome. <laughs> okay. But that, that's the thing is you guys get too excited about a conversion. I'm just changing my mind. Yeah. I'm just excited that you're still coming. You yeah. know, I'm just. Van makes me. Well, and, and that's awesome. I had a. I had a, we had a little ceramic painting class for Easter this week and there was a mom, I'm like, oh, I never met you before. Like, oh, and she had only been, she's been coming for a couple of weeks and I was like, oh, well, how did you find it? She's like, well, actually I've lived here for a long time, but my, she had three of her kids with her and she's like, but you know, my son asked me, you know, about Jesus. So I <laughs> figured I better come. <laughs> it's like, that is awesome. That is awesome. So what about you, Jenna? Um. Yeah, I kind of agree that pretty much everyone could use, like, positive messages or even just to be reminded, like, as the scripture said, don't think higher of yourself than you should, Um, but especially leaning on the side of encouragement. I think uh, the best way to serve people who need to hear that is to just be observant and listen and know that for everyone who maybe comes up to you and says something that, like, brings your awareness, like, oh, they... They might need to hear something positive. Know that for every one person who tells you that, there's probably at least five more who need to hear the same thing but aren't saying it or haven't felt the confidence to say it or maybe don't know it yet. And so almost preemptively going out and just a blanket statement of like, all of you are loved and accepted. If you don't believe it, come talk to me. I'll help you out Ah, with it. I love that. I love that. Yeah, that's great. My son, Louis, that serves in the in the Navy, that's why he joined the Navy. You know, he's like, I wanted to spread the word. There were easier ways to do that, sweetie. <laughs> but um, he just got certified this week as as someone to count to, well, he's not a counselor, but to to talk to people who have suicidal ideations, which, you know, he, he, he dealt with that as a teenager himself. And so I think that that being able to like open yourself up and your difficult times and your what we perceive as our own failures to be able to yeah like I went through that too and you know that I got through it and I can help you too I think that makes people feel also you know like oh maybe maybe this is a place for me so all right well Paul had more on his list of do's and don'ts he included on his list of do's 
let love be genuine. How do you understand genuine love and how does it show itself? Anyone want to take this one? What do we got? Yeah, Mark. Well, like one thing that was interesting about my family and me is I used to have the hardest time physically saying the word I love you to people. Mm. Not, you know, I now I say it to my parents and my brother uh, pretty frequently, but I would argue that it's a physical, like people have problems physically saying certain things that they don't agree with. And so when you understand that they're trying to say that or mean to say that, but they have to work through the physical act of getting it out of their mouth, it's a little easier to understand people. What, what made it easier for you? What do you think? I practiced. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, could you text it or write it? Was that more comfortable? Did you start that? I mean. Well, I renewed my mind. And once I came to the conclusion that, and I never thought of my parents as enemies, but we were at our at each other's throats for a while. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's amazing how once I got my mind around you know, just very simple understanding of the physiology. Mm -hmm. uh, I was able to get out, you know, figure it out. Mm -hmm. And plus the response you get, right? Yeah, I do mm -hmm. get a good response. Yeah. What about yeah. you, Jenna? Yeah, um, kind of what you were saying about trouble saying I love you. For me, it kind of is similar, but less of a physical limitation. It's more of just that love is a very weighted word. And sometimes it's easier for me to think of it as rather than genuine love genuine compassion and that kind of opens up this brain to think about um, the way I understand it which is just really caring about somebody and caring about what they're telling you like I mentioned a little earlier really listening and like not just listening so you can talk like actually listening to understand and also just telling people or showing them that you love them or that you appreciate them or that you have compassion for them not just on like Mother's Day for your mother or someone's birthday, but just like a random day out of those, like, hey, I thought about you and here is a physical thing to show you that I care about you and I put effort into making this for you. Or here's a little mm -hmm. token of encouragement or telling you how much you mean to me. Well, and Janet, you and I have served on mission trips together. And I mean, that's a great act of love, too. And sometimes people that you never meet or maybe s sort of saw a little bit, you know, I mean, that I think taking your time I mean time I think giving someone your time is that that's love and you you do that a lot so yeah Jen is great to have on your team by the way I, I get the impression that Jen is very loving uh -huh. oh, thank you she I try is. to be she is what do you think Chris yeah I agree and I really like the the illustration of you know the different ways like you said um to to show that love either physical or or um you know in, a, in something that you give them or various ways which is really good Mm -hmm. And I think, too, just genuine love is just a love where you can meet people where they are, that, mm -hmm. you know, because, you know, we all have our quirks. We like, kept going back to unconditional, and maybe that's just the the word that I kind yeah. of associate love with, but I kept going back to that when, when reading yeah. it. Yeah, you're right. I guess that's, yes, we're saying the same thing there. Yep. All right, well, Pastor David goes on to say, one way genuine love shows itself is in the caring of the needs of others. Paul includes this on his list of how Christians are supposed to live. His question is, what are some of the ways the church cares for others? And can you think of new or additional ways the church can reach out to meet the needs of others? And what is ne what is needed for such a ministry to be successful? And do you have spiritual gifts that equip you to help in this way? Well, I'd like to see the church be more open in for people with autism. 
Mm-hmm. Like, I think that, you know, you can actually perform miracles because Van went from being nonverbal to ver- to highly social. And so I see, you know, I think the church should take on a challenge. And I think that, you know, Van is a real blessing to everyone he meets now. And if we could so- show that sign kind of improvement uh in others it'd be amazing mm-hmm. yeah and i i know like in the time i did youth ministry there were many kids on the spectrum and i i was really always impressed with how kids were you know youth are with other youth and i think like in the children's wing i know like we have a, a super sweet special autistic child who gets so much love and care but maybe as adults you know walking in the door maybe we're not as aware and yeah so maybe we should get some Maybe you can share your knowledge with us on that because that's a good point. Yeah, that's a really good point. What What do you think, Jenna? Um, nothing particular came to mind. Um, though when I thought of this, my kind of brain started going because I'm taking some business classes, and these are the kind of questions we get about like, oh, what ideas do you have? How can we implement them? That kind of thing. Um, so one thing that came to mind and kind of could be integrated in what you were talking about is that since the goal of our church has been so much and is always focused on helping people and getting the word out, getting connections with people, maybe linking up with other groups to do the same thing, whether it's groups advocating for autistic people or for people in the LGBTQ plus community or people in the mental health illness community, just different communities who are either experiencing the things that they're speaking out about or trying to help other people with and not just putting the information out or just putting it in a bulletin or something but actually hosting events to get these people in the same area with people from our church so there's more direct involvement because it's one thing to see a flyer on on a bulletin or on your door about oh there's this group they seem like a good group I would help them but there's not that kind of connection whereas if you're actually having a conversation with somebody hearing their passion, why they're caring about something, you're more invested in it and you're more likely to want to get involved, whether that's financially donating your time or financially donating or donating your time mm-hmm. or just spreading the word about it. So more engagement with other groups that are sparking engagement will just start even bigger mm-hmm. conversations. More partnerships and collaborations. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think anytime we do that, we have some successful like Family Promise is a ministry that started here. That was a great collaboration that has grown. But there's so many, yeah, there's so many more that we can do. What do you think, Chris? Well, I I think that um, I don't really suffer from social anxieties, but I know how going to a new place and meeting new people when you don't have any connection to it can make you feel, at least how it makes me feel. Mm-hmm. And so if someone does have social anxieties or, you know, something that's that's really affecting them, I can understand how that would be terrifying to come to church. Um, and while we do offer our online, um, you know, options for Bible studies or community groups or mm-hmm. that kind of thing, I would really like to to get more involved with um, with that particular subset of, of people, people that um, would maybe want to come to church but can't bear the idea of mm-hmm. showing up somewhere they don't know somebody. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I have any gifts per se that would be able, you know, that, that I'm equipped with, but mm-hmm. um, but I think that we've been working towards that. You well, know, you do have this a whole gift year. because you come off as very warm. Mm. Oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. And that's what a lot of people with social anxiety are looking for. Mm-hmm. Someone to connect with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. 
You know, I think recently, I think um, just the homebound have been on my heart. So, you know, we, because we all were homebound, (laughs) we all got (laughs) to experience that and it wasn't awesome. And so now we're all back out in the world and doing our thing again, but there are still people who are not, Mm -hmm. who cannot or can come out very little. And um, so that's kind of, I've been thinking a lot about that lately is, and I, you know, a couple weeks ago, I got to go visit some three lovely people from our church, all in their 90s. It was like the best day ever. I, 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 yeah, that's what I've been thinking on. Like that's, that's an area I'd like to kind of think some more about because I, we got to experience what that was like to, to be, you know, homebound and not out. And, um, and you know, Mark was talking about prayer. Um, I think these are, these questions here are really good for us to even challenge, you know, the congregation. Um, if you're thinking about getting more involved in the church, you know, really pray about these things to see if there is anything that calls upon your heart to, to maybe get involved with or start or, mm-hmm. or participate with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But something you are, it's a cause you already care about. It doesn't necessarily, exactly. It doesn't, people, it might not be like what we think is a typical ministry, but you're right. If that's a cause and something you care about, or you have knowledge or expertise to bring and do something with, I think, yeah, I think that's, that's really good. And it is hard, like coming for the first time, you know, it's hard going anywhere for the first time. I just remember going to new schools and, you know, Uh, being just terrified, you know, I remember that. Yeah. So in the connection center, I, as people walk in the door, I just, I, I look for lost people, people who look lost. (laughs) It's like, all right, can I help you? Um, but yeah, people can walk by not looking lost and it could be their first time. So, and I know that does happen. So, all right. Well, um, Pastor David says, when it comes to living a Christian life, Paul includes rejoice in hope. I love these words, he says. This reminds me that though we see much that is wrong in our world, and though we see great need all around us, God is at work. God has already inspired and equipped us to do much good in this world, and God is not finished yet. God will continue to inspire and equip us for ministries that expresses genuine love. I can hardly wait to see where God will lead us next. God bless you, and I will see you in church, Pastor David. So, well, again, thank you, Jenna and Mark and Chris, and I hope that we will see you both back another time. And um, I'm going to close us in prayer. Gracious, loving God, we um, just thank you for this time around this table. We thank you for um, these questions from Pastor David and um, for your word and for how it um, applies to us now. And we just pray, help all of us um, speaking and listening to um, find the message that you have for us in this and uh, help us to um, be able to make a difference in the world and to be able to show the love that that we know is, is ours from you to others so that they may know your love as well. And help us to, let me get this right, have the energy to change our mind. Change our mind. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, everyone.